You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. We started a series last week, our November series, called Powered By. And it's a three-part series. Today is part two. And if you were here last week... You know, we started with a passage found in 1 Corinthians 4.20, where it says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Now, since the beginning of civilization, countries, societies have been taken over by power. People fighting against people, nation fighting against nation, men fighting against men, strong people taking up villages and cities and subduing women, children, and everybody that they find in their ways. This is how power has been expressed since the beginning of civilization. Power to fight, power to dominate, power to take over, power to control. It's this, this ambition on the inside, this ill ambition to just have dominion and to dominate other people and other cultures and other countries. Now, when we read scripture and we read the word, the word power, it's easy for us to drift in that mentality of power. Thinking that maybe God is all-powerful because he has the ability and what he wants actually is to control us. What he wants actually is to subdue us. What, what he wants is to tell us, hey, you should do this. Don't do that. Touch this. Don't touch that. This is how you got to work. And this is how I'm going to control you. When in fact... A deeper look into the scriptures and the experience that we've had as a community for the last 2,000 years since the church emerged is that God's desire is not to overpower us, but to empower us. What he wants to do is to share of his power. And the word power here in this scripture does not mean this ill intention of subdue and control. The word power here actually means ability. It means that God wants to share of his strength, his might, so that we can become all that we were created to be. And it is in that light that we talk about power here today. Now, for us to understand how to receive this power, because this is what we're talking about today, right? Receiving this power. We need to understand how we function, in, in, even in our nature, how we function in the system of, of our being. And I was reading a book by Dallas Willard. I've been reading Dallas Willard. I quoted him a couple weeks ago. And there was this one quote that I think it was such a perfect fit for this message. So I want to read it to you. It says that in the hierarchy of abilities, the higher functions of a person affect the lesser ones. And this is a perfect illustration for us learning how to receive God's power. Because if you think with me, if you hurt your pinky, let's say you're hammering a nail and somehow your pinky got in the way and you, you hurt it. You hurt it badly. You might be out of pinky. It might affect you when you type on the computer. It might affect you when you're writing down if you still write with a pen. But the rest of your body will be fine. Your digestive system will be fine. Your cardiovascular system will be fine. Your cognitive abilities will be fine. You'll be okay. You will be able to carry on as usual. Now, let's say one of your senses is affected. Your vision or your hearing is affected. We have a friend in our community here who's have been going through this process of loss of vision. It's been very difficult. If you hear his story, it's been so difficult for him to adapt having had sight. And now in the past 10 years, he's lost his sight completely. 
And if you hear his story, you will, you will realize that his vision affects so many other parts of him, of his body. If you know of someone who doesn't hear, can't hear, you know it will affect their speech. But still, their cognitive abilities, their judgment, anything that has to do with their mind is intact. They can function, they can understand, they can communicate, they can, their, their sense of judgment is still intact. Now, if someone has a personality disorder, if someone has a mental illness, it is very likely that you will see traces in every other part of their bodies because your brain is the highest functioning part of you. It controls everything else. And the same thing is applicable to this other part of us that sometimes we don't realize actually exists. It's our inner man, our spirit. The same principle applies to this part of us that we can't actually touch. It's not actually visible. But we have an inner man. And this inner man is affected by higher functions. Now listen to what scripture says in regards to this inner part of us. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. A very well-known scripture, we've shared this here before. But if you listen to it, it says, keep your heart. That word heart comes from the word inner man. And it says that you have to use all vigilance. You can't forsake your inner man. And if you think about that part of you, every single thing you've been able to accomplish, no matter if you're a student here in the room, or if you're already retired, an empty nester, and everybody in between, everything that you've been able to accomplish, every relationship you've built, every commitment you've made, came out of this inner person, came out of this inner part of you. It flowed out of it. It is our inner man that powers us. It is our inner man that actually put, puts forth this spring that scripture talks about in that song. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you thought about lately what you're powered by? What powers you? What powers your soul? What motivates you? What makes you get up in the morning? What fuels that inner person? Is it acceptance? Are you powered by the need of being accepted by others? Are you powered by success, however you define it? Are you powered by your cravings, the desires that you have, that you have to have, what you have to have, when you have to have it? Are you powered by your insecurities? Are you powered by your fears? You know, sometimes it's not hard for us to realize that some of the problems we face, some of the circumstances that we face, some of the challenges that we face are actually internal. They are on the inside. It's not difficult for us to realize that. But many times, the mistake is that we try to solve it from the outside in. And we know that the problem is internal. We know that sometimes the problem is identity. We battle with this question, why am I here for? What am I supposed to do? What am I actually supposed to live my life for? It's an internal issue. Sometimes we might wonder why... I resort to angry, anger so easily. Why is anger my first resort? Why am I so fearful? Those are internal problems. And sometimes what we do is, let me deal with that with an external solution. Let me go ahead and 
find a new place to live. Let me go ahead and find a new relationship. Let me go ahead and find a new career. Maybe that will solve it. Let me go ahead and get a new car, a new house, maybe a new city. Maybe, you know, let me go ahead and change the outer portion of my life because maybe that's where I'm going to draw in what I need for the inside. And maybe you need that. Maybe you need a better relationship. Maybe you need a better career. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go for betterment in those areas of your life, but having an internal problem and trying to solve it in an external way. It's like having a broken hand and saying, I know what I need to do to fix it. I'm going to go get a manicure. I'm going to go do my nails. You're going to look pretty. It's going to be better, but your hand will still be broken. It's like having a broken foot and saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get me some Jordans. It's going to look fly. Yeah, maybe you will look fly. Maybe it's going to look great, but your foot will still be broken because the solution is internal. What you need is healing. What you need is for your bones to get back together. What you need is to solve the problem on the inside. And in the same way that our higher functions physically affect our lower functions, there is a higher function of your inner man that affects who you are on the inside. It affects the springs of your life. It, is, it affects your output. And this higher function is your relationship with God, is your connection with God. And when that connection is disrupted, we sense it. We sense it in lack of fulfillment. We sense it in lack of direction. We sense it, we feel lost. We feel that we're not accomplishing or living for what we're supposed to live for. In the same way, when that connection is good. We feel fruitful. We feel like we're accomplishing what we're meant to accomplish. Now, this has been diagnosed. This disruption has been diagnosed in Scripture with a very short verse. That whole chapter talks about it. Uh, but this is the verse, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, this is, this is a, a scripture that is often quoted. I grew up in church. Maybe you're here today and this is your first time in an environment like this. Welcome. We love you. But I grew up in a church environment and, you know, this, this scripture, it was often used to give this idea that because of my mistakes, my connection with God is disrupted. Now, what what this scripture actually is sharing is not a condemning word to you. It's not saying that God has already condemned you before you even had a chance to say a word. Right? What this is actually telling us is that you make mistakes because your connection with God has been disrupted. Is that we have this, this thing in us that no matter how many times we may try to do the right thing every single time, we are bound to miss it. And the word sin, it's a dirty word. And if you grew up in certain Christian environments, that is a word that you probably, as soon as you hear it, a wall comes down. And then just, just walk with me here. Because the word sin, you've heard this said here before, is a military term. It's an archery term. Which means to miss the mark. That's what it means, to miss the mark. And what this scripture is telling us is this. And archery, uh, archery was a branch of the military when this was written. So what it's telling us is this, that an archer, someone who is in a battlefield, he cannot win a battle if his aim is disrupted. If his aim, if he sins, if he misses the mark, he's not going to win the battle. There will be no glory for his military career. 
And what Paul is telling us is that you make mistakes because this connection has been disrupted. Because this connection has been disrupted, you may try to do the right thing every single time. You may try to get that, that arrow and hit the mark every single time. But you will not do the right thing every single time. And this is something that we admit. We know this. Everybody knows this. In 2016, there's an Urban Dictionary version of this verse. We know this. Atheists know this. Christians know this. It doesn't matter what kind of, of, of house you grew up in. You know this. And this is the, the phrase that actually explains this scripture. Nobody is perfect, right? We know that. That's the proverb. Nobody's perfect. That's what Paul is saying here. Nobody is perfect. You cannot be perfect on your own. But guess what? This disruption is the very thing that Jesus came to address. This disruption with this connection is the very thing that Jesus came to address. Look at what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Not only did Jesus come to fix that disruption, but now, because that connection has been restored, you can aim rightly and you can hit the mark. Now, your purpose is revealed. Now, your connection with God gives you direction, gives you fulfillment. And some of you, you've experienced that in your life. Some of you, up until you reconnected with God, you felt a little bit lost. You felt like there was something missing in your life. And then you, that connection happened, and now there's a new birth. Something new is on the inside. There's this new creation taking over your hopes, taking over your dreams. And now if you were, if you felt alone, you're not lonely anymore. If you felt unloved, now you feel the love of God. If you felt hopeless, now you feel hope because you have seen this new creation be formed on the inside. And this is what Jesus came to do. And so this is important for us to understand because if we understand that we depend on that connection, not to be disrupted, for us to receive what God has for us. Then we can understand that all the other functions of our life that depend on it are disrupted, not because we need something else on the outside to change, but because we need that one thing to get solved so that every other part of us can align. Now, I want to give you, I want to give you a practical discipline. Can we do that? Because if we are to develop this, this life of community, of, of connection, it, it'll come through discipline. It'll come to something practical that you actually can do. And that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing because uh, what I, what I want to encourage you with is this, is that your, your experience of God, and some of you, I've, sh I've shared this here last week, some of you, you come into this room and the worship is great and we pray together and you feel the tears come out of your uh, down your face and you feel the presence of God and then you go home. And you don't quite know how to plug in. Like you don't quite know how to access that, 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 uh, that place where you feel God with you and you feel like 
you know, you, you, you have that confidence that God is with you, that he is directing your steps, and you might feel a little bit lost. And I just want to speak into that today, that you build that life of relationship with God based on disciplines. And there's one discipline that we cannot forsake. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a long time, if this is your first time here and you're just kind of playing with the idea of, you know, having a relationship with God. This is the one thing that every single person can practice. And it's prayer. It's a very simple thing. It's prayer. We cannot forsake prayer. If you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus prayed. That's what carried him through his ministry. That's what carried him through the desert. That's what happened. That's what, what carried him through even his high moments. You know, there is a passage that talks about the transfiguration where Jesus was with Peter and, 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 and James and they were, they were in such a high that one of the disciples said, Jesus, let's just build tents and live here forever. This is the best. I just want to stay here forever. Have you ever had those moments where you just want to stay there forever? You don't want anything else? I felt that in my honeymoon with my wife. Praise the Lord. Let's just stay here. Let's not go back to work. Let's just stay here on the beach and enjoy good food and good desserts where you don't gain weight because it's your honeymoon. Praise God. And uh, they were in that place. Like everything was perfect. But it was through prayer, you know, that Jesus went from that place to a place where now everybody wants him out. And he's in the Gethsemane. What got him through that? Prayer. So I want to encourage you with that. I actually have some practical points for you. And I want to share this formula with you. It's an acrostic that I put together yesterday. So the idea is to pray with heart. Right? Here's the formula. Pray with heart. The acrostic across the word heart. So you can remember. So if you're taking notes, let's do the H right there. The first thing in your prayer that is important for you to do is honor. As you start your prayer, this is what you do. You honor. You honor God for who he is. You honor God for his attributes. You worship him. The second thing is exalt. That's what you do. You exalt him. And what this means is you put him above everything in your life. You just declare that he's over everything. He's over every single part of your life. You submit your life to him. The third thing, the A, is ask. That's when you present your petitions. That's when you submit your concerns. That when you, that's when you bring to God what you need. And you, you present him with your needs and, and your desires and your vision. The fourth thing, is letter R, is to release. You release your anxieties. You release your worries. You release your burdens. You release your weights. This is an act of trust. You trust God with your feelings, but also with your expectations. And then lastly, you thank him. You give him your gratitude for what he's done. You give him your gratitude for what he has accomplished in your life and for what he will do. So, you know, this doesn't have to be an act as something that takes over two hours of your day, maybe, if you want to. But every single prayer that you do should have these elements in it. This is a very practical way for you to continue to build. And every single day, if you do this every single day, at the top of your day preferably, if you start your day with these steps and you come into God's presence and you do that, you will begin to feel that connection, that power, that presence, that ability of God just to begin to flow in your life. So let me give you an example, a very short one paragraph prayer that would hit all these marks, all right? I'm going to get very practical here. So 
You start your prayer by saying, God, I praise you. I honor you because you are good. You're loving. You are my God. You are my Lord. And I exalt you above everything. And then you bring your petition. God, I know that this situation, you know the situation I'm facing, whatever it is. I ask that you step in. You know my will. You know my vision. And you know my desire. But this is what I want. But I submit it to your will. And may your will come true in my life. Then you release. You say, I give you the situation I'm facing. I give you the circumstance. I give you my feelings. I give you my hearts. Because you are able. And today I release it to you. And then you thank him. You say, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your guidance. And I thank you. For all that you are to do. Amen. Simple prayer. But why is this important? Why is prayer so important in your life? We live in an era where God is this concept that's far away. Way out there. And what prayer does, it brings God into your life. And you begin to experience his attributes. You will see a change in you. In that inner person. And this is a change that people will see eventually. But you will begin to experience it first. This is what we do sometimes with heroes throughout history. I was talking to somebody this week about this. It is very rare that we have a hero in our present time. Because the way we think about it, our hero, there's got to be a distance between us and our heroes, our saviors, the saviors of our life. Because we, it, that distance allows us to reduce them to one action. Reduce them to one moment, to one thing, one little thing that's way far away from us. Think about in our, in our history right here as a country. If you think about Abraham Lincoln, he is revered as one of the great presidents of this country because he united the South and the North, right? But he was not liked when he was alive. So much so that he was assassinated. The nation was divided. Half of the people liked him, half of the people hated him. It took some time for us to look back and think, oh, this guy is a hero. Because now we are able to reduce his life to that one thing. Same thing with Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King Jr., who headed the civil rights movement. Now we think of him as the man who had a dream. But he was uncovered in newspapers as a menace. He was reported by some as someone who was not a good person for the country. But now enough time has passed that we are distant from those emotions and we can reduce him to that one speech he gave and we can see the results of his life work, of course. But we can reduce them. And the same can be true for Jesus. The same can be true for God. We can look 2,000 years ago to this thing that happened way back there, the cross. And we can have this long distance relationship or concept of God. But what prayer does is it brings that reality into your life. And you begin to understand what the cross really is. You begin to understand what God's attributes really are. And you begin to understand what the power of God actually active in your life really is. So if you've had difficulty in the past understanding why people put faith in scriptures, why people put faith in God, why there's this, this conversation about God being active in people's lives, try prayer. And you will see that life begin to grow in you. Because prayer brings God to the present. And that's how you will see God's presence become alive in you. Now I realize that we go through different situations. Some of you here, you're fine. You're okay. 
Everything is good. In fact, if I, if I ask you, do you have any need? You will say, well, I mean, everything is good. You don't, you don't really need to ask a God for anything. That formula that I just shared with you, praying with heart, one of the reasons why I think it's important for us to practice prayer in that way is because sometimes we can get into that rut of only connecting to God when we need something. Only connecting to God when we have something to ask of Him. And a lot of people, they think of religion, they think of God in that light. When I need Him, I'll come to Him. When, when I come to a point where I have none of my resources, when I cannot pursue anything myself, then maybe I'll try God. When in reality is that if that connection, which has been disrupted in mankind, can be fixed, you will see a lot of the elements in your life just to line up. Even if you don't have any needs right now, any apparent needs, you will see parts of you come alive. So even if you don't have anything to ask, you can still honor God. You can still exalt Him. You can still give Him thanks. You can still release your emotions and hearts to Him. And if you practice that kind of prayer, that kind of connection every single day, you will see a transformation in your life. And then you will be able to share that life of God with others because you will become someone who is not only okay with yourself, but you will be attractive to those around you as somebody who carries something different. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about that, how to release that power, how to release that life of God with us. But I really wanted to encourage you today with this practical and, and make you understand that there is that part of you that needs to be in connection with God because that is the higher function of your inner man and that it will affect everything else in your life if you do so. Some of you have already experienced that. Some of you are halfway there. And I just want to encourage you to continue to do that every single day. Amen. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Let's stand together.